You're listening to the True to Life Podcast, a show where we discuss life and analyze ideas as followers of Jesus in a post-Christian context. The True to Life Podcast is hosted by Aaron and Carson, two ordinary guys learning how to live with purpose in a changing world. Together, we'll discover how to be present with God and others in a way that is true to life. Welcome to the True to Life podcast, the sleepy edition. In Welcome. The, in the confluence of friendships, uh, sometimes you just have a conversation where both of you are very, very tired and life has been happening at an unprecedented mm. rate. And uh, we find ourselves in a very sleepy, punchy mood. So who knows what we're in for tonight? Wake up. Sorry. How you doing tonight, buddy? I am sleepy, sleepy tired, buddy. How are you doing? I know you are. I I also was asleep when you texted me back to start. So uh Russell and I, my my black little lab half half beagle puppy, are up here and he's still asleep on the bed looking at me. Um We're so old. We so old. Adulting. It is adulting. We've arrived. This is what adult feels like. But you're three children in, um, and well, and we're in the adoption process. And in, in case anyone is wondering, uh, that is going well for us. And we are still very much looking forward to the arrival of our our two little adopted children, and are hoping to have them um, maybe halfway through this year or so. But cheerins, the cheerins. So happy. I really, really hope that that ends up being the case that you guys can get them by the uh the halfway point through this year yeah i know, I know you've had a lot of people praying so for excited you. yeah and thank you so much for your prayers and for everyone out there who is praying and and sending their kind thoughts and and prayers our way we really appreciate it and are incredibly excited for that to happen so lovely, lovely. Well, why are you tired buddy um will work more work book studies um, and just a few other things that are going on have kept me very, very busy. And of course it's spring. So that's the time to, uh, to work out, eat right and get beautiful. So I'm mm. just, uh, trying hard at all those endeavors. You're always beautiful. I know. It's just nice for someone else to, to say it. Well, that's why I said it. Well, and in your deep gravelly tones, no less, it makes it all the more mm. special. You're beautiful. Thank you. Did I read on Facebook that you had ordered your uh, your spring influx of honeybees? You did. Um, and actually, uh, at work, uh, the following day, um, I was helping to train a new class of employees. And uh, the topic of my bees came up. And uh, one of my coworkers said, so have you named the queen bee yet? And I, I had not really spoken to this gentleman about the bees. Um, I guess he just assumed that I would name the the queen bee, which, I mean, fair assumption. Um, I named the last one. That was the queen bee, Beyonce. Um, um, but this time around, uh, I had not picked a name at that point in time, and I told him no. And uh, so we ended actually uh, ended up uh, letting our class vote on the uh on the name of the bee um 
Uh, one of the options was B McBeeface. Um, have you Bodie McBoatface? Please. Yes, yes. Okay, I just <laughs> that was so, probably the so best good. thing. Oh, internet, you never disappoint. Um, actually, uh, funny story about that. Uh, there is a university in Sweden who had a uh, colony of bees, and they had basically done the same thing uh, to open up and let somebody <laughs> name their uh, their queen bee, and uh, they actually did name it Bee McBeeface. Oh, um, so I was I was proud of them. Um, was the story of Bodie McBoatface was that the U.S. government? Uh, I wanted to say it was like Britain or something, wasn't it? Well, uh, in any case, it was some official body who was developing what this special boat or something, and they yeah they, they were like as a real fun thing, we're going to let the citizenry, nay the internet, cast its vote in naming this special special vessel, thinking probably of uh, pipes and drums or some sort of really ar- arcane and august name for this. And what did the internet call it? Yeah, Bodie McBoatface. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, it was uh, a British government agency, um, and it was a uh, evidently, according to the New York Times, was a polar research ship. Uh, um, and so, <laughs> when uh, when uh, they they opened it up for votes, um, RRS Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> <laughs> was the uh the natural front runner um <laughs> so they they i guess they said that uh they were going to to name the uh the boat uh whatever the uh <laughs> the unwashed masses decided was <laughs> was the best um well now the but, crown is well represented in those polar waters yeah, I, I think um, if I remember correctly, they they ended up naming the boat after uh, David Attenborough, um, and uh, but I do believe that they uh, they actually did name the little uh, like uh, the little mini sub mm-hmm. um, that went with the boat, uh, Bodie McBoatface, as a concession. But uh-huh. anyway, hilarious story if you've never. Look that up. Go so now when the boat laugh. sees the polar penguins, it's just not going to be able to help starting to narrate their lives if it's named after David Attenborough, I suppose. Uh, one can only hope. Anyway, um, so we uh, we had them uh, name our bees, and the, the winner was uh, Queen Labifa. So uh, Queen Labifa is, is the new... Um, Beyonce. And so they, uh, they should be, uh, coming to the mail, uh, by mid April, um, or I'm sorry, mid May. Um, so some, sometime between mid April and mid May is when they ship out. Oh, and, uh, very nice. I get to go look at the, the horrified looks of, of fear and confusion at the postal workers when I go pick them up at the post office. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, best of luck with that. I hope that these bees um, survive as a colony and and flourish and provide you with much uh, golden, beautiful, dreamy honey liquid stuff. Yes. Oh, Russell has woken up and he's looking at me accusingly. Sorry, buddy. Uh It's past his bedtime. Um, Well, tonight we were 
kicking around what we wanted to talk about. And we thought since we're both really sleepy, we're probably not going to jump into anything that could get us too far into trouble. So we wanted to uh, briefly talk about hobbies and the role that they play in our lives and potentially even in the lives of Christians seeking to glorify God through the hobbies that they uh, bring up or just the the normal hobbies that we uh, that we take up during the course of our lives and what is the impact of of those in our lives so what what are you thinking uh well um i think that hobbies are a um a wonderful thing uh for several reasons and only here recently have i really started to appreciate hobbies um and i think more so as i've gotten older um and maybe i guess now that I'm entering the, the middle of my years instead of, uh, my youth, maybe, um, you know, slowing down a bit and, and enjoying life as it happens, um, is something that appeals to me. Um, and I think also just with the, the different, uh, strains and stresses, um, that life brings it, it often, helps to unwind with something not only that you enjoy doing, but that you can take uh, pride in that you can uh, seek to improve on. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, might play an instrument or some people uh, might play a sport or some people create things or, um, or what have you. Um, so hobbies can kind of run the gamut of, I don't know if you would put these on a spectrum, but I would say, um, between creative and recreational. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily, I could think offhand of, of any other, um, kind of broad categories like recreation or creative that, um, well, I, I guess all hobbies would be recreational in some sense, right? Um, it's, sure. it's work that you do that you enjoy doing and you do it for the enjoyment of doing it. Right. I would maybe add like a communal to that, especially in the internet age where it's so easy to get together with people and gather around a shared enjoyment. And I think that that's dramatically broadened with the connection that the internet brings, whether that's like a, a video game or something like clubhouse where people can get together and chat or just any way where people pursue a shared uh, interest where they're either just dialoguing or interacting with it. Okay. So uh, let me, let me stop you there and just get you to clarify something for me. And I'm going to show my ignorance in front of everyone. I have like next to no experience with clubhouse. I've looked it up. I haven't even created an account yet. I've heard people talk about it and I have looked up and, and from what I can ascertain, it is, uh, basically live podcasting. Well, I probably have less than than you in actual experience because I've never visited Clubhouse. Oh, okay. um, there was a no gingers allowed sticker, and so I just didn't Aww. get in, and it was very sad Aww. for everybody. Uh, but my understanding of Clubhouse from listening to several different people talk about it is that you can just visit a room, and there's lots of people in the room, and you can all talk to each other and uh, interface and just have a lovely time. And I, I feel like it's 
generally loosely structured around some sort of a theme or around a group or a conversation discussion. And then people jump in and they can come in and out and um, notable celebrities can visit the clubhouse. So I suppose it's like live podcasting, but with less of an emphasis on a goal. And then you can just have more more enjoyment. People can just dip in and out as opposed to you're going to hear person X and person Y speak. It just could be whoever's able to come into the room. Lovely. Okay. I might have to look into that later. Um, Anyway, uh, but yeah, I think uh, hobbies in general, um, a very good thing. I would say a necessary thing. And I would add, I think probably, um, I wouldn't necessarily say this definitively, um, but I would say probably uh, would be pretty vital to a proper um a proper kind of holistic understanding of a uh, of a theology of work mm-hmm. and a theology of vocation um because i think there's there's often um if not maybe even most times for most people where their hobby is somewhat tied to their vocation, whereas their job may be more tied to their income. Um, and so I'm using vocation in the sense of, um, like a calling, right. Um, something that they're passionate about, uh, something that they would, uh, love to give their lives to if they could. Um, uh, you know, I guess beyond maybe simple volunteer work. Um, I guess you could volunteer as a hobby. Um, but yeah, so um, I guess I wanted to hear a little bit about uh, maybe what some of your hobbies are, um, how you see those benefiting you, how you see those things um, equipping you in terms of discipleship. Um, do they play a role in your discipleship, um, in your evangelism, uh, anything like that? Um, yeah. What do you what do you think? Oh, goodness. I didn't realize there was going to be such a list of requirements. Well, I shall do my best to sound very holy. Or what you just enjoy doing. Uh, maybe it doesn't have any other ulterior motive. Uh, well, first of all, um, to back up just a little bit, you had mentioned uh, creativity and maybe the creative impulse. last Was it last time we talked? I don't know. We talked about the image of God in man, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed talking about that with you. I think one of the main things that we do to reflect the image of God as people is mirroring God's creative impulse. And I know that we've gone over this before to a greater or lesser extent, but when you step back and think about who God is and the power that God is and the power who God is that created this universe from nothing. And um, if you believe that, you believe that he has given rise to just an incredible diversity of living things and mineral things, animal things, vegetable things. I was going to say vegetable things. (laughs) Vegetable things. Now you know exactly what I'm thinking, don't you? It's 20 questions. Um, But the creative power and impulse of God to create everything down from the universe to the solar systems, to the galaxies, to our earth, to our bodies, is just absolutely mind-blowingly incredible. And the fact that God has looked at us, humans, you being a human, you you know how consequential you are. You know how 
how amazing you are and are not on any given day. And to think that an almighty, all-powerful God has said you are going to be my image on this earth is a breathtaking thought because uh, vested within the imaging of God is also that creative impulse uh, that we image from him. So we're probably not at any given point going to create a spiral galaxy or a, even something as extraordinarily as, as the uh, extraordinary as the human eye. Well, I mean, but, I could, but I don't try. I've seen your drawings of, of people and, and stick figures. I, I shudder to think what that would, what that would merit us. But the, uh, the creative impulse that we all have as humans, I think is a beautiful way of expressing who we are as imagers of God, whether that's gardening or painting or drawing or words, whatever that might be. I love the fact that when we're, when we're pursuing hobbies, it's not just us being idle. It's not just us wasting time. Um, I think we can think of it to some extent as thinking God's thoughts after him. And as, as we take joy in creating things and as we take joy in, um, fostering that sense of creativity that we have in ourselves, um, we're to some extent imaging who God is and who he's made us to be. And since you were uh, kind enough to inquire about me in particular, I tend to gravitate uh, gravitate toward um, what I think the Bible broadly calls the Logos. So the Logos is almost a uniquely Christian concept in that it features so heavily in the Bible um, there's that one verse that says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now there it's talking about Jesus, because by Him, everything was created that is. There's nothing that was created that was not created through Jesus, by Jesus, and for for Him. And that logos there, that it's a really intricate and beautiful idea of a creative word or a sustaining word or a power that can give rise to other things. And when I look at the hobbies that so many people enjoy, they're centered around talking or speaking or writing things down or creating things like poetry and literature and just that beautiful artistic gift that humans uniquely as a species have where we can capture thoughts and ideas and we can share them with each other and we can expand on them with each other and we can take the beauty in the world around us and we can capture it in thoughts and words. And we can say that in something so beautiful as poetry or something so expressive as prose or something as technical as science or philosophy. And we can share that with each other. And for me personally, the hobbies that I've loved are things like poetry and philosophy and history and just those, those ways that we have of capturing and expanding upon and improving upon the ideas that humans can share with each other. Even this podcast is an example, like uh, you and I love talking to each other. We love sharing ideas and we love um, having other people contribute ideas and talking about those things. So um, for me, I think it boils down to the greatest enjoyment I have with hobbies is trying my best to creatively think God's thoughts after him and enjoying so much the fact that as humans, we can capture those ideas, distill them down into words, and put them in written and spoken form, and share them with each other. So that's my initial thought on hobbies. Uh, what about yourself? Yeah, um, I really, really like what you pointed out about the idea of uh, 
the creative acts and how we we image God uh, in our creativity. Um, I absolutely agree. Um, if you read the creation narrative, there there is a a sense in which God is organizing materials. He's organizing uh, the matter and bringing into existence out of chaos order. Um, and he is uh, working creatively to imagine new things, um, not maybe in a, you know, in a, a literal sense, but in, in terms of um, he is not, you know, necessarily chronologically, but in, in terms of the creative process is, um, you know, thinking thoughts no one else has thought before. Um, he is, uh, from those thoughts, uh, turning them into something tangible and creating order out of the chaos, um, that, that exists. Um, it's just a really neat way to think about, um, the creation narrative, because it really kind of dovetails with what it, with what we do when we work, when we, um, do things that, that create and add value and, and that sort of thing. So, um, you brought up the idea of gardening, right? Adam and Eve were the, the first gardeners. Um, and the charge that God gave them was to tame the earth. Um, that there's a whole wide world out there full of wildness and untamed, uh, maybe to a lesser extent, uh, if you want to call it chaos, right? Um, it, it's created, it's part of the created order, but it's still out of sorts. Go organize it, go tame it, go subdue it and make it look like this garden that I've placed you in. And so even from the beginning, there's a, there's a, a command given to humanity to go and make and to do and to create. And I think it's interesting too, that God doesn't give Adam and Eve any kind of qualifications necessarily for how that's to be done. He just says, go and subdue the earth, fill it, multiply it, go subdue it. Um, but he kind of gives them freedom, right. To, to do that in, in the way that they choose. So, um, so even as part of our design as human beings, God created us to work and to enjoy a lot of people, like they have this idea of work, like it's something that we have to do now because of the curse, right? Uh, because Adam and Eve sinned, because they ate the fruit, we had like this great deal going on in the garden where everything was just given to us. We didn't have to do anything. Right. Um, but I think God's command to Adam and Eve to, to go and fill and multiply the earth and subdue it, um, to have dominion over everything that he's created indicates that even then there was a, um, there was a design in place, uh, that human beings were made to, create just like God created. Um, by the same token, um, that comes in, in a rhythm, right? And so just as God created and then rested, um, that's something that he repeated to 
um, you know, throughout the Old Testament. And, you know, we see even New Testament individuals uh, observing that is this, uh, this, you know, weekly rhythm of rest uh, following their work. Um, and so if you, um, I don't know, for, for you or anyone else who's familiar with, um, you know, missional uh, church uh, writings and, and missional theology and, and some of that kind of stuff um, where we talk about like, what's the best way to live on mission um, in our culture uh, in uh, as a group of people, what is the best way to be the church in a community? Uh, one of the things that comes up often is the idea of recreation. And um, so this isn't unique to me. Um, I'm, I'm pulling this directly from uh, Jeff Vanderstelt, who, uh, if you don't know him, he's written a couple books. They're worth your time. Uh, but he basically, when he talks about um, uh, different rhythms of uh, like holistic approaches to ministry can be broken down into certain rhythms um, that we just live our lives through. Um, those everyday rhythms that he, that he talks about are, uh, being story formed, listening, celebrating, blessing, eating. And then lastly is recreate. He, he, he has it written as recreate, uh, but it's the idea of recreation, right? Um, and so the, even in our recreation, right, it's a way for us to rest and out of that rest, produce something, good and produce something beneficial and produce something, um, creatively. Right. Um, so you, you made the point about like, it's not just sitting there being idle and don't get me wrong. There are times when our brains and our bodies just need a rest. Like that's why God created us to sleep every day. Um, we have to admit to ourselves and the world and to God that we are not God and we have to take a nap um, because we don't have the ability to just go and go mm-hmm. and go. So, um, but in, in terms of like recreation, in terms of the things that we do just because we enjoy them, uh, we're resting from our productive work and expressing that creativity in a way that's purely for our benefit and purely for our enjoyment. And so in that way, um, it's, uh, it's a good gift of God to us. Um, and so maybe that, that takes the shape of, you know, going out and playing some disc golf, right. Or maybe that, uh, takes the shape of, um, sitting on the beach with a book or, uh, maybe in my case, keeping bees or, um, you know, going to experience new things that, that interest you. It could be any number of things. So, um, you know, from a, from a theological standpoint, I think that's kind of where my mind goes with, uh, with hobbies. And, um, and I was glad to hear you, uh, to point to that as well. So. Yeah. Oh, and also since you just, uh, threw out disc golf, that's, that's a really great one that, uh, Candace and I have very much enjoyed as a way to connect and reconnect with some close family members recently and also to make new friends. And, uh, it's, it's also a, a super fun, super cheap way to enjoy nature and, uh, play and be outside for three or four hours. And so if anyone's never tried disc golf, I can't recognize, I can't recommend that highly enough. It's been 
Well, see, I, I mentioned disc golf because I know you love disc golf. I didn't yeah. know Candice had been playing with you, though. She has. She is quite the disc golfer. She's uh, very good at it. And, um, yeah, we've really been enjoying it. We got some new discs just the other day and are keen to break them in. By that, I mean hit a lot of trees. But oh, okay. who's keeping well, count? I, I would imagine that they're easier to find than golf balls, though. Uh, they are. Um, she... She got me a new disc that's a, a, a brilliant pinkish salmon color, and I was initially offended and then thought, as much time as I spend in the woods looking for my discs, a nice <laughs> pinkish salmon is probably the perfect color for me. Lovely. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you've if you've not tried it, you should. Uh, Morristown near you actually has a, a super cool disc golf course that I've been around many, many times. Very cool. And Panther I've heard Creek and talk Carson about it, Newman so. College also has a great one. Nice. Yeah. I, I've actually thought several times about uh, going to play disc golf. I like, I, you know, I enjoy uh, golf golf. Mm-hmm. Um, I like throwing a Frisbee when it's not ultimate. Um, I, I feel there's a little too much pressure um, in terms of ultimate Frisbee. I know people love ultimate Frisbee. Um, it's just been a little too, a little too, involved for me in the past. Um, mm-hmm. but I think the slower pace and, and, uh, just the ability to be outside and, um, you know, just kind of take your time with, uh, with the, uh, the disc golf, I think would be something I would really enjoy. Yes. I have, I have this one thing against ultimate Frisbee and that's that the people that, uh, practice ultimate Frisbee are overly enthusiastic, uh, read more athletic than me. And, uh, it's just Maybe hard to keep up it. with yeah. them leaping around like a herd of gazelles chasing a Frisbee, but it's, uh, yeah. it's impressive to watch it play. Uh, but you know, uh, one question I had about hobbies as we were talking about them is I think some people might wonder, uh, so we're talking broadly about time management here. If you're talking about doing a hobby, the yes, no principle says that if you're saying yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. So hmm. in order to create time to pursue a hobby, you're saying no to whatever else you'd be doing during that time. Do you feel that it's wrong to put a good deal of time into hobbies? Or do you think that's a waste of uh, time that you could be putting into quote unquote, something more worthwhile, or how should people think about their time management when they're pursuing hobbies? Um, I would say it's definitely possible, um, to put an inordinate amount of time into your hobby. Um, I mean, obviously the ideal is that your hobby becomes your job, right? Like if I can do something that I just absolutely enjoy doing and love to do and also get paid to do it, that's just a win, 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 win all the way around. Um, now, obviously the problem becomes when it becomes your job, do you still enjoy doing it? Um, and so like my wife, she crochets, um, that's her hobby. She, she loves to crochet. Um, she makes blankets for, um, uh, for needy children, um, and takes them to, um, uh, a local church to be distributed. Um, And, uh, so that in that way she's creating, she's producing, she's volunteering. Mm -hmm. Um, but she also loves the act of crochet and she loves learning about new stitches and new ways to create things, um, that have, uh, different, 
aspects of beauty associated with them. Um, and so, uh, being that she loves to crochet and even when she's not got a project that she's working on, uh, for someone else, she'll just be, you know, making a, a blanket or a shawl or something like that. And I'll look at it and I'll be like, babe, why don't you like, why don't you sell that? Like you could make decent money off of doing some of this. She's like, yeah, I know. Because I mean, she's told me several times, like, uh, and it, it's kind of blown my mind, the amount of money that people would pay for, uh, some of the stuff that, um, that she and others who enjoy crocheting, uh, would produce. Um, when you take into consideration the materials involved and, uh, the time and, um, all that kind of stuff, um, it, it's not cheap. And, uh, so, you know, when they are sold, um, they often go for a premium. And so I I've asked her, you know, just me thinking out loud, like, why don't you sell that? Like, why don't you make some, some money off of that? And then, you know, maybe you can turn it into a, a self-sustaining habit or something like that. And her response, and I, I, this is totally understandable is she is afraid if she were to start doing it to make money, that then she would no longer enjoy it. And as, as it stands, it, it helps her give it's life giving to her. It, it, you know, it's something that she can do. Um, that's not work. Um, because it doesn't, even though she's being productive, it's not work to her. Um, it's something that is, uh, life giving and recreational for her. So, um, you know, I think there's always the, uh, the potential of something that you really enjoy doing, uh, maybe not enjoying it anymore if you have to do it to, to earn a paycheck. Um, but I think, you know, to your question, is there ever a time where you could be sinful maybe in your, uh, in your devotion to your hobby or, or something like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. I would say anytime that it comes between, uh, you and, um, you know, the, the people that you have, uh, relationships with that God has placed around you, be that your family or, um, your friends or, you know, maybe unbelievers that you're, you know, trying to spend time and, uh, evangelize with, you know, you mentioned this before, but like one of the great strategies of, uh, of hobbies and, and evangelism is to try and intertwine those things. Like rather than go, uh, going to, you know, play disc golf, um, and you know, I get it. There's sometimes where people just need to get away by themselves, but, um, just as a, a principle for, you know, how you can, uh, make this more productive, like spiritually productive is, you know, just invite that person to go with you. Um, they may find a new hobby that they enjoy, uh, but more importantly, you're going to be able to have uh one-on-one time with them. And that hobby is, it, it's not going to be a, you know, a yes, no principle. It, it doesn't have to, me saying yes to my hobby doesn't mean that I have to say no to you, right? Um, I might be able to include you in that and, um, yeah, and, and we both benefit. So, um, if it comes in between your relationships, if it, uh, comes in the way of you making money, um, that you need to provide for your family. Um, I would say you have a responsibility and a duty and a, a God-given obligation um, to help provide for your family. So um, let's say my 
uh, my hobby is video games. Um, if I lose my job because I'm not going to work because I'm sitting on the couch playing Madden for 20 hours out of the day, that's, that's irresponsible. (laughs) And, uh, my family is going to suffer for it and that's not good. Um, so don't do that. Um, I also think it's possible and, and this is a little more subjective probably, but I think it's possible, um, to indulge too much, um, in something that, um, that's an escape for you. Like it, sometimes the, the value of hobbies is like that they provide a, a, a means to blow off steam and to escape from the everyday duties of life. Um, and, and those are good things. Uh, but you can also, uh, you know, become so, um, addicted to that escape that you stop, uh, you know, you stop taking part in, in life. Um, and that's not a good place to be either. So, and, and, you know, I I would say at that point, probably you're, you're also running the risk of, uh, the other thing that we mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, not being able to provide for yourself and, and that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I definitely think it's, um, it's possible to give inordinate amounts of energy and time and, and devotion, uh, to those things. Um, but it's very hard to say when that is, um, almost to the point where I don't know that you would be able to call it sinful until it's already a problem. Um, just because, you know, we don't have a, um, a law in the Bible that says thou shalt not play disc golf more than three times a week, (laughs) you know? Um, but you know, when that becomes a problem for you, then you need to be circumspect and, and kind of back off a little bit, however much is necessary. Right. And as you touched on, there can be a relational element to hobbies that can be a very redeeming thing. Because if you, if you're just out playing disc golf, by yourself or to get away from someone or for any of the um, multiplicity of potentially bad reasons you might have to go do something uh, by yourself. Uh, There's also the redeeming aspect that it can be a very relational thing. Like, like I'd mentioned, we've really enjoyed connecting with some family members recently playing disc golf, and it's been a great way to foster some friendships and enjoy the outdoors and, I have no illusions that I'll ever become a professional disc golf player or, uh, to your point, have a hobby that turns into a vocation or even an avocation because I'm just never going to be that good at disc golf. But it certainly can be something that I enjoy both for its own sake and for the sake of being able to intertwine my life the more closely with others and so foster community and, and draw closer to others and closer to God as a result. And I think that those are both very good outcomes. Um, yeah, and also, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so I, I, I chuckled there for a second because um, what you said reminded me of something that happened to me this week. You you said you're never going to be good enough to play disc golf and make money from it. Um, so nearby, um, there is a mini golf place. And uh, this past weekend... Uh, or I guess, uh, the yesterday, really, it was Monday, uh, was my wife's birthday, but, uh, the weekend prior, um, her best friend was in town 
and uh, she brought her daughter and uh, them and our family uh, went out to eat together. And uh, on Saturday we went and played mini golf. Um, your, uh, your brother and my sister actually had uh, given Leanne and I a very nice Christmas present and given us a uh, gift certificate to the local mini golf place. Um, so we could take, uh, us and the kids and we haven't had a chance to use it yet just because it's been cold and, uh, things are starting to warm up now. So we thought, okay, well, this will be per- the perfect, uh, time to, to redeem that gift card. And so we went to this mini golf place and I'd never been to this place before. Um, it's just here locally. Um, and it's kind of a, a small thing. It's not, um, it's not run down or anything like it's a nice course. It's just, uh, it's just not huge and built up, you know, like with, you know, smoking dragon nostrils and windmills and everything. It's just kind of a, uh, a flat, like here's the course you play it. Um, but around the perimeter of the course, they had fencing and on that fencing, they had, you know, advertisements, uh, for local, uh, businesses and, and that sort of thing. One of the advertisements that they, um, it were, I guess maybe it was an advertisement for the, for the mini golf place, but it was, um, it was talking about how they were the home of the, and I don't know the acronym, but it's the 2022, uh, basically professional mini golf PGA tour. And we saw wow. that and, and we, we wondered how does one become a pro mini golfer? <laughs> like how, how can that possibly be lucrative? And I would assume that you would have to play, uh, tournaments with a buy-in and place well, like that's the only way that I could see you netting any kind of profit on mini golf, unless you're just like out there hustling people. How many girlfriends do you not have in order to make that dream a reality? <laughs> I don't know, but, um, but anyway, your, your comment about not, uh, being profitable. Like I can understand, like, you know, you go for uh, a weekend tournament or something like that and you enroll and it's like, uh, you pay a $10 fee and you know, there's a, uh, you know, a $200 first place, you know, prize at the end or whatever, if you get first place. Like I get that, but you're not going to make a living off of that. Or if you are, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's one place where your, your hobby has become an idol. If you're, if you're trying to make a living off of, uh, basically, uh, earning a meager pittance as a, uh, as a pro mini golf player, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry if you're out there and you're listening and you're a pro mini golf player, uh, no offense, but please do let us know how that's possible because that's, that's fascinating to me. That's funny. Um, just as a, a small sidebar, one of my life's little fascinations has been with the word a tournament. And I, I say it in that hopefully uh, straight-laced way, just to point out that uh, you say it, I think, tournament, perchance. I'm not sure. Um, um, so so say the word for me. Tournament. Yeah, you would enter a, a weekend tournament. Tournament. Uh, okay. So I say tournament. Uh, Tur- tournament. Tournament. Uh, you said it in a slightly more cultured way. It sounded more like tournament. Um, our, our dear friend Bobby High, who has featured prominently on this program uh, previously, um, I always make fun of him, but then I slightly wonder if he's saying it right. He goes all in and says tournament. 
tournament. I, I can't even say it the way he says it. Well, but I, I think it's probably more right than tournament. Tournament. I, I'm not saying mine's right. I'm just saying that in my fascination with that that particular word, I realized that I'm on the more hackneyed end of the pronunciation of that word. Uh, and you seem to be striking a happy medium between me and and Bobby, who seems like he's uh, a little bit over bougie in his uh, pronunciation of the word. He, he really gets a lot out of it. Tournament. Um, tournament. Uh, but who knows? He's probably saying it the right way. It's just always uh, provided me a small degree of fascination. Anyway, to get uh, <clears throat> to get back to what we were talking about, uh, I was I was pushing back slightly because you said something along the lines of it would be nice if your hobbies um, ideally turned into some sort of vocation. Before I push back on that, is that what you meant to say, or did I miss? So, you? well, okay. So I would say. Um, it would be great if our hobbies could be lucrative. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Sure. Uh, the vocation, I, I would say, deals with uh, a person's calling and their unique gifting and mm-hmm. something that they are passionate about that God has wired them specifically to do, whether that's a hobby or a, um, or a job. Um, like for me, I would say that ministry is a broadly speaking is a vocation, even if that's not my primary source of income. Um, and so ministry and, and the church and, um, you know, discipleship and, uh, and, and that kind of stuff, that's something that I'm passionate about. Uh, it's something that I've invested uh, a good deal of effort in terms of, uh, you know, education, um, resources and, and that kind of thing. It's something that I've invested heavily into, uh, because I'm a passion, because I'm passionate about it. And I feel that there is a certain sense of calling, uh, on me directly to do that. Um, but it may or may not be how I make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that sense, I would say, you know, a lot of times when we talk about vocation, maybe we, we think and, you know, subconsciously just kind of limit that to whatever we do, uh, to make a living. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think Paul, his vocation, his calling was, um, to be an apostle, but, you know, to make ends meet, sometimes he would make tents. Um, and I don't know that he would, you know, give, uh, equal, uh, weight to, to either of those things. I think, you know, um, one was necessary, um, and maybe he enjoyed doing it. Uh, but, one was something that that he was passionate about that he had to do. And mm-hmm. that's what I would consider vocation. So to answer your question, I don't know that I would say um, all of our hobbies ideally could become vocations because I have a hunch that most of the time our hobbies are pretty closely aligned with what our vocation is in some sense, um, or at least, you know, some aspect of it. Uh, but I would say ideally if we could have hobbies that could also be lucrative, um, that would be a win all the way around. Unless you're like my wife and you think, okay, well, as soon as I have to do it to earn a, to earn money, I'm no longer going to enjoy it. In which case, just do it for the fun of it. <laughs> um, excellent. Well, I, I think what you said makes sense. And hopefully it made sense to everyone who's listening. Uh, Probably just, not. Just in case there's that snooty person out who out there who's a, 
avid grammarian um, and they're wondering what the difference between employment vocation and avocation is. See, I kind of hear you saying that your hobby can be your vocation. However, most people I think would think of employment and vocation as pretty much the same thing. Right. Um, I would too. Uh, vocation has a semantic range to stretch into something that's like, I feel strongly that I like or I'm suitable for a particular thing. And in that way, your vocation isn't necessarily what your job pays you to do. But there's also that word avocation that is more like uh, your avocation is the thing that you have as a, a hobby or it's something that is a an occupation or a preoccupation or something that you do that is extra your employment or what most people I think would think of as a vocation. Um, but all of just the linguistic snobbery aside, I completely get what you're saying. Like it's, it would be awesome if what you do as a job would closely align with what you do um, as a hobby or just things you enjoy. I will say that life tends to hit you like slapping you with a dead fish in that most people or a lot of people have jobs that they take out of necessity that don't necessarily align with what their vocation or their hobby or their avocation might be. And that's completely fine. But uh, it's duly noted that it would, it's really nice if you can make some, make some money or support your family off of things that you really enjoy. But I also just want to point out um, fairly strongly that it's totally fine from my perspective that you do things that don't net you any money or anything other than just that you enjoy it and that you feel the impulse of the image of God in doing those things. Like we're probably not going to make a lot of money off of podcasting or in my case, reading poetry or playing disc golf or any of those things where it's, it's just a part of who it is as a human being yeah. to enjoy those things and feel that, uh, that satisfaction and that, um, joy of life in the fact that you're pursuing those hobbies. Um, yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I guess when I, when I said vocation, I was using that in kind of a countercultural sense. Like you're right. Most people, when they hear the word vocation, they just automatically assume and, uh, you know, hear the connotation of occupation or employment or, or what have you. Um, so, uh, vocation um actually uh comes from a latin word which means to call um so in that sense i would say that uh vocation theologically is um ideally something that uh one would respond to um uh there's a call and a and a sense of passion and urgency uh and um, you know, what makes me, me and the way that I'm wired and how all those things fit together to, to help, um, create and, and express that creativity that's given to me by God to make the world into a better place and to fulfill the role for which I'm uniquely designed. Mm. Right. Like that's, that's the idea that I have of vocation. So if I can do that thing and make money, that's awesome. But totally, totally understand that that's not the reality for many, if not most people. Um, I don't think anybody ever walked into a call center and said, man, I would just do this for like every hour of the day if I could. Um, like nobody like in their free time 
uh, you know, says, well, you know, I'm, we're, we, we plan to hang out today. I don't know. We could go play disc golf or we could go log into the phones for, for a couple hours, uh, take a few angry callers. Like, you know, um, there are some things that you do because it's, it's monetarily beneficial and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I guess my point was, um, as, as human beings, we need things that can bring us a sense of joy that all work is not equally equipped to give you. Um, that is not to say that all work is not dignified, right? Um, well, I will say all work is not dignified. Like standing on the the street corner hustling crack is not a, a dignified occupation. Um, it's not a good occupation. Um, Noted. You know, but... But I would say um, a sewage pump uh, technician, there is dignity in his work because he is adding value to society. He's doing a necessary job um, that makes everyone else else's life around him good, and he deserves to be compensated for it. Um, you know, a uh, a triage nurse. There's a lot of people who wouldn't want to be a triage nurse, but she's doing a very, uh, a very necessary job, right? And she deserves to be compensated for it. Now, I think nobody probably wants to do a job that they just hate, right? But there's, there's a lot of jobs that like I could do and I genuine, like I, I might genuinely enjoy aspects of the job. Maybe it's not my dream job, but you know, I can... I can get by with it and make a little money and, you know, spend my free time doing things that I'm really passionate about. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I, I did kind of have a, a passing thought, uh, as far as like, so you're, you're a father and have been for quite some time. And I'm, uh, in the process of adopting, as we mentioned and, and thinking a lot about, like what is what is going to be to have two kids in the house when we get them? They're going to be approximately two ish and four ish years old. Um, how do you go about like pointing your kids toward uh, hobbies that might shape their life or um, spark interests that would endure for the rest of their lives? Like, do you have any fatherly wisdom or from maybe Leanne's perspective, like what what you and her have done as a couple to point your kids towards hobbies that are both edifying and, uh, to your children and glorifying to God in their lives. Yeah. So this is one where, um, I'll be honest, this is like a struggle for me. Like, uh, so our kids, I, I think both, uh, both Leanne and I are kind of homebodies to begin with. Um, we, we enjoy being with other people. We enjoy going out and seeing new things and all that. Um, but a lot of the times, like, what we want to do is, um, is driven by, um, just being home and, and spending time with one another and, and being comfortable and, and doing those sort of things. Um, there's also the aspect that our kids, um, because Leanne and I both work, um, there have been times where they've not been as, uh, engaged with an adult as maybe some other households would have been. And that's okay. You know, we, we've done our best. Um, I'm not saying like we let them run around like, you know, just it, it's not Lord of the flies in my house, I guess is maybe the best way to say it. Um, but 
I, you know, especially like during COVID over summer when they were out of school, like our oldest daughter, Moira, she's 13, but like she was the babysitter. Right. And she, um, it was on her to basically watch her younger brothers because, uh, you know, her mother and I were, we were still in the house, but we were at work. And, uh, so, you know, some of that is, you know, I think the, the thing for me is I want to spend as much time as possible with my kids. If I can spend as much time as possible with my kids, then we can have those discussions and, um, and enjoy one another's company. I can figure out, um, uh, and, and they can maybe figure out, uh, what makes them tick. We can figure out, uh, fun things to do together. Um, I can see what sparks their interest. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I enjoy doing, um, and I'm, I'm not, okay. So I enjoy playing video games. I, I've always enjoyed playing video games. Um, but only to an extent, right? Like I know there are some people who go absolutely bonkers with video games, like to an obsessive, uh, degree where that is their life. Um, their life is lived on Twitch and, uh, that to me seems unhealthy. Um, it seems to me like a form of escapism. Um, regardless, uh, you know, that's subjective and that's something that, you know, you would have to judge on a, on a personal basis. But, um, for me, I, I enjoy playing video games, but in, in like small spurts. Um, and I've shared that with my kids. Like, um, you know, we will play, you know, Mario together or, um, you know, we'll, uh, we like to watch movies together. Um, those are things that we do for kind of recreation. Um, the more productive hobbies, like I've tried not to push things on my kids that they clearly don't want to do. I ask them a lot. Would you like to do this? Um, so like, I'm not forcing them to go out and, and take music lessons just because I think it's good for them. Um, if that's not how they're wired, that's okay. There, there will be other things that they're good at. Um, my son, one of the things that he's, uh, knocks, uh, one of the things that he's doing, uh, here recently is teaching himself coding. Um, and like he said, he would be interested in that. And I was like, yeah, dude, we can, we can hook that up. And so I got a, um, like I got him enrolled in online classes for free. I was like, okay, you know, like coding camp would be expensive, but let's like try this out first and see if you like it. And if you do, like, that's not something that I mind investing a little bit of money into, uh, because that's a skill that will serve you well. And if it's something that you enjoy, let's go for it. Um, but you know, he's now learning the, the beginnings of JavaScript and has learned how to animate, uh, a little, uh, thing on the screen. Um, and he really seems to enjoy it. Will he stick with it? I don't know. Um, I've tried a lot of things that I haven't stuck with. Um, and I, and I have interests in a lot of different areas, many of which I haven't even, um, really pursued to any great degree. Um, but you know, uh, I guess to answer your question, like how would I approach it? I would say for me, it's been important not to put pressure on my children, um, to do something that, um, that I think that they should do just so that 
I can say that they're doing something. If that's not what makes them tick and if that's not what they are wired to do, um, then I'm confident that as I spend time with them and as they spend time with other individuals, as they experience more, um, then, you know, they'll find that thing that makes them tick. My, my focus has been, I want to make sure I'm asking them good questions. I want them to think about what makes them tick. I want, you know, I want to be very careful to listen, um, to what it is that they, uh, say they like what it is that they say they don't like and try and offer opportunities where I can for them to do the things that they enjoy to see if it's something that maybe they want to do more of. Mm-hmm. Um, and here lately, uh, just with the pandemic and thing, that's been a lot of video games to just to be perfectly honest. Um, but you know, uh, we, we can, we figured out over the weekend that mini golf was not it for our kids. <laughs> they, <laughs> uh, by whole 12, they were done. <laughs> They're not um, going to be like, on the P uh, professional the, mini golf tour or yeah, the, the yeah. PM PGA or whatever it was. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think for me, I just want my children to be who God created them to be. And there's nothing wrong with them playing and being kids. Uh, if there's something creative that they can do, um, um, I'm all about, uh, being able to, um, to help them find ways to express that. Um, even if that creation looks different than what I might normally think of as creative work, like it doesn't have to be music or art or anything like that. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe you've got a kid who loves math, right. And, and they can help, uh, be creative and productive in their, in their hobby, in their, uh, recreation, uh, through math and through, uh, learning new math theories and, and developing math. And I'm not good at math, so I don't know how math works, but, but, but there are people out there that do that sort of thing. Spoken um, like a true communications major. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so if that's your, if that's your bag, then, then go for it. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I I feel like one consistent theme that I felt as we're talking today is that hobbies can be a wonderful thing and they, they shouldn't be used to try to escape from this world that God has created, but rather to find and identify parts of this world and to enhance the joy that you have in the world that God has created and to grow closer to Him and closer to uh, even other people sometimes through the joy that you find there and that hobbies can be a beautiful way that you can expressively uh, pull those things out in a way that means a lot to you. And you can really um, bring out your personality and you can find things that you love. And those are ways of uh, enjoying the world and, and even worshiping God um, and giving thanks to him for the world that he's provided around us and the ways that we can take, uh, take joy and, and experience those things. So yeah, and not to get too heavily theological here, but I think to to the point of what you just said, like these are all ways in which um in which our hobbies prefigure heaven for us, right? Like our our eternal rest um is uh, is generally what we think of as heaven, but I 
when when I read scripture and I read about the new heavens and the new earth, I don't get a uh, a sense that we're all just like strumming harps on a cloud somewhere. Like mm-hmm. we are we are working and um, and continuing to enjoy uh, company and food together, and our our rest is is one that is um, that's eternal. But uh, there's a sense of joy and fulfillment and enjoyment there that, um, that I think, you know, between doing the things that we love to do and doing those things communally, um, I think that's maybe in a, in a kind of a shadow of, uh, of maybe the, the rest that's to come, uh, for us in, in the eternal. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And, uh, as, as my role generally is, I, I would like to illustrate your serious point with a silly point. Um, although one that is very meaningful to me. When we when we were growing up, uh, my parents were very kind and bought us a lot of Legos. And my brother and my sister and I would be downstairs on a, an old toy chest where we had set up a uh, an entire Lego town. And our personalities really came to the fore because we would start with a an empty bucket of Legos and we would build up from the ground Lego Town. And um, what I would always build with my part was the uh, thriving industrial district. I was always a capitalist from a very young age to uh, to your great shock, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but my sister would build like the art district and my brother would build like, I'm not even sure what he's going for. He turned out very successful, but I'm not sure uh, what his incipient Legos uh, were trying to tell us about the, the person he would become. But in any case, I had Mike the businessman and my sister had like the the county library and stuff. But I always remember the wonderful joy that I had when we were building Lego Town. And it was a really, really fun endeavor because we were uh, making the trade-offs that you make when you're building any thriving little uh, Lego metropolis together and you're you're doing your, your trade-offs and your back and forths and you're negotiating. And as we were building Lego Town, it was always such a fun and wonderful time together. And then you would, uh, you would finally reach the very zenith of your aspirations. And there it was, a beautiful, thriving Lego metropolis in its perfect form with nothing left to do. And there was always that great sadness when the building had come to an end and there was nothing more to do than play Legos. And we were always kind of sad because you're like, all right, guess I'm going to go visit the library now, or guess I'm going to go visit Mike's general hardware store or whatever my brother's monstrosity was that he'd tried to create. And, <laughs> um, but I, I always thought from a very young age, it was way more fun to make that thing than it was to play with it after it was done, because we always had such a joy in the creation of the thing um, that we would, in short order, pretty much either tear it down or whenever I finally constructed a little fighter bomber jet, I would bomb the city into oblivion and then we'd have to rebuild it, obviously. Um, But I think we got a lot out of the creative aspect of it. And it wasn't until much later that I was reflecting on that and being like, oh, that's that's really cool because I think we're almost mirroring the way that God loves to create things in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so for whatever yeah. that's worth, and, I, and I in was that sense, I think that, um, you know, uh, there's a sense in which, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we are gods or that we are, uh, you know, co equal with God or anything like that. But I think we, there is a sense in which 
God invites us on our in our time on this earth to be co-creators with him, um, that we can help bring order and beauty uh, to the world that he's placed us in and that he's given us each special talents and roles and tasks um, that we just need to 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 follow those um, those inner uh, longings and inner uh, urges and wirings um, to figure out what exactly those things are and, and pay attention to to where he's placed us and and why we might be there and uh, if we do that I think that the world will be a better place but I also think that our our lives will be much more enjoyable yeah for sure. Um... And I should also apologize to my brother. He is, he's definitely the smarter of the the two of us. And he was probably building like a, a solar observatory or something. And I probably just didn't realize what it was. So um, I apologize for bombing your solar observatory to the ground as I did many, Poor many Adam. times. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's good. I, uh, I appreciate all your thoughts on, what it looks like to uh, to pursue hobbies in our lives, to pass that on to to coming generations, and to uh, to really enjoy the the world here that God has given us to live in. Um, and I appreciate you time uh, taking the time to talk tonight, even though we were both avowedly sleepy and we're we're probably rambly at at some points. But uh, yeah. I really, but really as appreciate- ever, yeah, as ever the uh, the the joy of my recreation. Uh, with you and uh, the ability to to have this hobby of uh, of doing a podcast is something that um, most every time, if not every time, is life giving and um, and good for my soul. So I enjoyed it. Well, it is always. a pleasure to be one of your favorite hobbies. <laughs> the favorite hobby you are. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you again for your time, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night and uh, sleep well. You too, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.